This episode of After Sex Ed is brought to you by Beducated, the Netflix of sexual wellness. Elevate your sexual happiness, intimacy, experiment, and deepen your connection with yourself and your partner today. Use the coupon code AFTERSEXED to get 65% off of the yearly pass and have access to all of the Beducated courses for one day for free. The After Sex Ed discount will be locked in for life. Click on the link to get it now, and thanks for tuning in. This week's episode of After Sex Ed is about the G-spot and squirting with Dr. Lisa Dawn Hamilton. If you want to learn more about the G-spot or about squirting or just about female orgasm and pleasure in general, I would recommend delve into the different types of orgasm, learn how to look like a pro, and learn how to squirt on beducated.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to After Sex Ed with Sabrina. Uh, before we get started, I want to say that this amazing episode is brought to you by Beducated, which is a Netflix for sexual health and wellness. It's a Netflix for, for grown-ups. Uh, we're going to be talking about the G-spot and squirting and G-spot stimulation, and I have an expert with us on that. <laughs> and it's Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton. Thank you for joining us. She is the host of Do We Know Things? which is an excellent um, sexual education, sex research, sex everything um, <laughs> podcast. And you're also a psychology professor at Mount Allison University in New Brunswick. Yes? Yes, okay, that's cool. Correct. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on here. Um, as Lisa Dawn knows, as I said, I'm like kind of a fan. I'm a bit of a fangirl because I love your <laughs> podcast and I've had so many moments where I'm like, I didn't know that um, she's got this great way of explaining it. And then there's so many like conversation starters. And if we were actually at dinner parties and not locked down in our houses in right. Toronto right now, I'd be like the toast of the town, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been fascinating for me to do the podcast because even as someone who's been a sex educator for 18 years, a wow. sex researcher for like 14 years, there's still things that I just took for granted. And once I started digging into them, I'm like, oh, I didn't actually know this. And, and, you know, for, for everyone's own knowledge, like you are very transparent about that in your podcast. Like you say, mm -hmm. I said this X, Y, Z thing for so long in all my lectures and I never dug, you know, like mm -hmm. the, like the purity culture abstinence based stuff that you were mentioning. Oh my God, I could dive into so many different topics. <laughs> but I'm going to, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to keep it on this. It's straight and narrow, straight and narrow. <laughs> um, our topic today is the G-spot and the herstory slash history, because <laughs> it's not really women's narratives that are part of the history of the G-spot um, and how, you know, it would shock you how just discussing the G-spot is marred with controversy, politics, power, like all of it. Um mm. Before we dive in, I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone, which is, how did you learn about sex? Uh, my earliest memory of learning about sex was from my friend who had a book, the um, How Babies Are Made book that was popular in the 80s. Uh -huh. And we were about seven in grade two, and she had gotten this book. She was very precocious in that way, and her parents bought her this book. And so she sat me down with it and explained to me what sex was. Oh, so was it strictly reproduction? Like Yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. But I'd like to start with like a brief history of like female orgasm. 
And when I'm talking about a history, I guess I'm talking about Freud and like immature versus mature. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with this person. Um, And from my perspective, and I hope you can talk a little bit about what immature orgasms are and what immature ones are from his perspective Mm -hmm. um, and why I see it as the foundation for, for these problems, but maybe it even predates that. Um, And do you see it that way? Yeah. So I think Freud absolutely made or caused a lot of damage in how we think of sexuality of people with clitorises and vaginas because he did claim based on his clients uh, who he thought were neurotic and hysterical that part of the problem was that they were having clitoral orgasms, so external clitoral stimulation instead of orgasms from penetrative penis and vagina intercourse. And that kind of set the stage of, so he defined the clitoral, external clitoral orgasms as immature and like a real fully developed woman would have orgasms from penetrative intercourse. Mm -hmm. And before he explicitly laid it out, that was because we live in a phallocentric world uh, where penises going in vaginas is kind of seen as the default. Um, That was something that was assumed, I think, but I feel like Freud really laid it out, especially within psychiatry and psychology, this idea that there was something wrong with people if they couldn't orgasm from penis and vagina uh, penetration. And how long did this go on? Like how long were people with vagina women, I'm going to say groomed into thinking Mm -hmm. that? Um, I would say they still are. And that's something (laughs) that has been surprising to me um, as I've been talking to people more about this and doing the podcast is that there is this real belief still that people with clitorises should be having orgasms from penis and vagina sex without any additional stimulation. And absolutely that happens for some people, but certainly not a majority. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that idea still exists. Mm-hmm. And in her book, Clitorate, uh, Lori Mintz, Dr. Lori Mintz talks about this, that she thinks Freud really like screwed us up for a long time and that we were just getting out of it. Yes. And then the G-spot stuff came in, which kind of drove us back there. Okay. So when you say we're just getting out of it, this is what people don't know. Like, right. but like so what do you mean by that exactly? Um, so I think in the sixties and particularly the seventies, um, when feminist movements were encouraging women to get more in touch with their bodies, talking more about clitoral stimulation, talking more about masturbation, there was more sexual freedom for women. Uh, and this knowledge about external clitoral stimulation was being spread. Um, and then in the early, so that's like sixties and seventies. And then in the early eighties, there was sort of the popularization of the idea of the G spot. Right. Um, and I think since then there has been more pressure to try to have orgasms from internal stimulation. Mm-hmm. When you were saying like we were getting better and feminists were kind of pushing for women to be more in touch with their sexuality. And that of course means that we need to be, we need to understand our clitoris, the role that it plays in sex. But the, like, I know we're talking about the G spot, but the clitoris has got this really controversial background as well. And like, you know, through my my studies um, at the University of Alberta, we were learning that the clitoris has been erased from medical textbooks, like repeatedly, like pops up again, then gets erased again. Mm-hmm. 
And um, mm-hmm. so people are like, well, you know, yes. why are feminists pushing to, to understand the clitoris? Like, didn't people know? Like, no. Can you speak to that a bit? Like, what do you think motivated medical researchers and the medical community to continuously remove it, add it, remove it again? You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, I will give a shout out to Sarah Chadwick, who has a book called The Sweetness of Venus, who okay. chronicles the history of the clitoris mm. um, and does a really excellent job of it. And it's funny and very well researched as well. Uh, but it depends on the era we're talking about. So yeah. the anatomy of the clitoris has been known for at least 500 years. Oh, wow. But in I would say the most recent time it was removed is like the 1800s, particularly in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, physicians there felt that it was not relevant for reproduction mm-hmm. and essentially not relevant for health. And right. so it was removed from medical textbooks. And it really only reemerged, I think, in the 70s and 80s is when it started being put back in, or at least there was more discussion about it, but it wasn't even in all medical textbooks. Uh, And even now, the anatomy of a clitoris is not fully represented in a lot of medical textbooks as well. So we're still behind when we think about clitoral anatomy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just recently saw it in my class that the clitoris isn't just what I always thought it was, which is like a tiny, mm. like, you know, bump. It's actually mm. like for people that are listening, it's more like a wishbone. It's mm-hmm. like actually quite like expansive and there's so much more to it. And um, so if we know, and I know there's, I know there's a researcher right now whose name's escaping me. I want to say Jessica Penn, but maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Is mm-hmm. that right? She's, she's trying mm-hmm. to get it included into accurately depicted in medical textbooks today. Mm-hmm. Today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is with this mystification though? Like <laughs> how could, what can we do to get this like, right? <laughs> I mean, the more advocacy and discussion there is about it, uh, the more we're going to see the medical establishment being more accepting of it. Um, but I think for so long, the medical field was dominated by men mm-hmm. and there was just no interest in including this. Um, yeah. And in Sarah Chadwick's book, she talks a lot about kind of the old marriage manuals that were written, like basically how to be a good wife and how to have sex and oh. how in those manuals, there's no mention of the clitoris, but there were midwives and other women who were writing other manuals of basically like, here's how you actually have good sex. And so that knowledge has been passed amongst women for centuries, um, but sort of suppressed in the broader, more mainstream medical literature. Like whenever I talk about, like I have a TikTok and I talk about sex and I have this podcast. It's like, I can't help, but like sex just gets political it just, it just happens, you know, especially mm-hmm. with female sexuality, orgasm, arousal. And then I get all this hate, all these hateful mm-hmm. comments, like, well, you going to always bring it back to the patriarchy. Like, <laughs> because it's impossible to talk about sex without talking about power. And when you talk about women's arousal and pleasure, it's like, there are so many gaps. There's so much misinformation. Mm-hmm. And, and the medical field was dominated by men for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And you say it in your podcast, it's like, nobody's actually asking women anything. They're poking around, but they're not asking. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. And 
there's such a history within particularly like monotheistic patriarchal religions mm-hmm. of wanting to control female sexuality and all religions have some sort of yeah. rituals often around sexuality but mm-hmm. it they seem to be particularly oppressive in the big three I would yeah. say. <laughs> no I agree so so okay the clitoris is one thing like you can't mm-hmm. you can't talk about one without the other for sure mm-hmm. but but the g-spot mm-hmm. research is happening mm-hmm. today yes <laughs> yes yeah, and yeah. And to your knowledge, is it is it women behind the research or pers- people with vulvas? Is it men? And what does the narrative kind of look right, like now? Is it shifting a bit from the 1980s when it was like, everybody's got to find one, right. buy this product to find it? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Is it getting better? Um, I think the research has been being done since the 80s, often by teams. So it's usually not just mm-hmm. one person doing all the research and often they are mixed sex or mixed gender teams. So it's men and women involved in this research. Dr. O something. I'm not gonna be able to pronounce his name. He says he finds the G spot on a woman, but she's Mm -hmm. a cadaver. So she's dead. Yes. (laughs) So like can, and, and then this offsets a whole cosmetic consumer kind of thing. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but could you talk about, that doctor, and I, I think yeah, I know you know the Risa, what he did, mm-hmm, and why mm-hmm. it's problematic, and why you can't use a cadaver. Sure. So, yeah. I guess this kind of boils down to the key point here, which is the G spot isn't really a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> there are all sorts of delightful spongy tissue structures and glands in that general region. So on the anterior wall of the vagina, which uh, I often, when I used to work on a sexual health phone line, I described it as we would describe it to people as you put two fingers in and yeah. make a come here motion. Yeah, I think we all um, know that. <laughs> yes. Um, so in that general area on the front part of the vagina, um, you're going to be hitting tissues. So you're going to be hitting the clitoris, like because yeah. the, the clitoris is inside the body. Um, there's also the urethral sponge. There's skein's glands. There's all sorts of sensitive and spongy tissues in there Mm -hmm. and there's no actual spot um and the reason that the cadaver study was such an issue um is because that the 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 sensitivity in in that part of the body doesn't really come until you're engorged so you're aroused blood is flowing the tissues are getting engorged and full of blood um and so that's when things get sensitive when things might you may be able to feel things through that anterior wall of the vagina or like at least feel them more clearly. Mm-hmm. But when we are talking about a cadaver, there nothing is engorged. <laughs> and um, yeah, this person was, I think there's been more than one study actually of the cadaver stuff looking for the G spot. And so yeah. they go kind of slice by slice trying to identify what is it that, that what that is this specific spot mm-hmm. and um, did claim to find the G spot. And mm-hmm. then there's other researchers. Um, there's a fellow out of Italy who I'm blanking on his name right now, but he writes you, a lot yeah. of, I know what you're talking about. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, in the medical literature, just being like, are you 
nuts. Like this is absolutely not a thing. There is absolutely nothing in the anatomy that could possibly be what you're saying it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so there's a lot of arguments in the literature around this. um, And, but because of this person saying like, I found the spot, Mm -hmm. um, there starts to be this uptake in people offering the, the G shot or various types of injections um, that will essentially enlarge your G spot so that you can get easier sexual stimulation, better sexual stimulation. I'm not sure exactly what it promises, but um, it's something just that's based on inaccurate information and data about the body. It's like, and here we go talking about sex, going into politics and going into capitalism, going into consumerism. It's like, here's yet another example of like an insecurity being created for women that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And then here's this product to fix that insecurity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, these two things are linked. Um, and, and I, you know, I had this thought, if you're looking for the G spot on a cadaver, a dead mm-hmm. body, and you're right, it's like, you have to be aroused in order to see how that part of the body works. You also mm-hmm. have to, you also have to make it orgasm too, right? To make sure that that thing functions that way. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't it actually have to do the thing you're saying <laughs> right, it does? Right. Yes. And does it make sense that like... It, that's almost akin, okay, maybe I'm reaching, but that's almost like in the same family as like trying to study erectile dysfunction on a dead, on a cadaver. Like, could you yeah, say? that's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't diagnose erectile dysfunction on a cadaver because yeah. the penis is not engorged and it would be, I say this, the same thing. Uh, and I hadn't actually thought of it that way. So thank you for that. No problem. Uh, like point. I was talking about it with my, with my boyfriend, with my partner. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if that's if that's how it's going, then I could just do all kinds of like premature ejaculation studies and prostate studies mm, mm-hmm. on on a dead on a dead body on a cadaver and be like, guys, I found it, I figured it yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something too because you know what? I don't want to jump back into clitoris because I have so many things I want to ask you because I have said things that I I am I get called out on as incorrect mm. and then I dive down a rabbit hole of research and I still don't have the answer. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know, um, and it lent, it's going to tie into the G spot is does the clitoris actually have 8,000 nerve endings? That's my first question. Okay. Uh, and the answer is no. And we have no idea how many nerve endings the clitoris has Great. <laughs> because we've never, <laughs> ever studied that. <laughs> idea of how many nerve endings the head of the penis has no (laughs) no we have no idea no so no one has ever studied that and the argument being that in all of our like so we have nerve endings in our fingers and our lips like all in our skin um and different people have different densities of nerve endings so there it's unlikely that everyone would have the exact same amount of nerve endings um, and different parts of your body would have more sensitive or sorry, the more sensitive parts of your body have more nerve endings. Um, and so looking at the penis, for example, like the shaft would be different than the head. And, um, but yeah, there, there's not been any human studies looking or trying to estimate the number of nerve endings in a penis or a clitoris. It's crazy to me, right? When you think about uh, how many <laughs> surgeries, well, first of all, never mind the medical stuff, just like, it would be great to know because shouldn't we know like it would just be great to know that like so that (laughs) functioning Mm -hmm. sexually and having pleasure be a part of your 
your health and life is an, is an important part. So like, why not know that? But then mm -hmm. also there's tons of, I don't know if we're going to jump into another topic, but there's tons of operations that are, are performed on genitals. And it seems like a big mm. gap in knowledge, like circumcisions, um, mm -hmm. labiaplasty, episiotomies. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, I suppose, like, if you don't know how many nerve endings are in a clitoris, as an example, or, or the mm -hmm. what it looks like and where all of it is, things like mm -hmm. a labiaplasty. Supposing you get that, maybe explain what a labiaplasty is. Um or I guess I can. It's just a trimming of the labia, right? To make it smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you can get all kinds of damage. Uh, nerve damage. Yes. Yeah, sensation damage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the big thing is the nerve bundles. Like, So there are thick nerve fibers um, or bundles of nerves that go into the clitoral shaft and to the, and to the head. And uh, Jessica Pinn, who is on Instagram yeah. and I think also on TikTok, uh, mm -hmm. talks about her experience having a labiaplasty. And because oh. the doctors didn't understand the um, how the clitoris was innervated, that they severed the nerves um, of her clitoris and she has lost sensation. And so that's what started her on her journey to try to get more medical information about the clitoris and the clitoral nerves put into medical textbooks. My goodness. I didn't know. I had, I know of her. I know I mentioned mm -hmm. her and I know a bit about her work, but I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense why she's so vocal, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. People going in for surgeries and they're this, I am sorry. That's just so shocking to me that like the genitals aren't actually mapped entirely. So you have doctors mm -hmm. posturing like they know performing surgeries that they're not qualified to do. I mean, technically they're qualified, but yeah. yeah, the, the, all of the anatomy is perhaps not accurate in what they're in the ways that they're getting qualified, I guess, is the way yeah. to say it. Mm -hmm. um, well, the reason I brought up the, the clitoris again and the 8,000 nerve endings or whatever, again, is that, and I want to tie it into it's, it's okay. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I have <laughs> read that like the research, it's not really being called the G spot anymore. And mm -hmm. researchers are wanting to distance themselves. I think even the originators, a lot of people that were part of it in the beginning, and some of the names are escaping me, were saying, we never quite said it was a spot. Mm -hmm. And we never said everybody had it. Mm -hmm. So they kind of call, they're calling it the clitoral urethral valve. And is that, am I, is that correct? So it's often called the clitoral urethral complex. Um, it's also called the CUV, which is the clitoral urethral vaginal complex. Yes. Yeah. Which is a lot harder to say than G-spot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people realize that, like we talked about capitalism a bit, I'm bouncing around, mm -hmm. that there's that so much of this, once once the G-spot is discovered, let's, and I'm saying that air quotes if you can't, you can't see me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, it's, you know, the researchers behind it are saying, we never said it was a spot. We never mm -hmm. said everybody had it. Mm -hmm. um, and what people don't realize is that a, a massive market boomed. And, yes. mm -hmm. um, and there's so much about female sexuality and female um, shame and insecurity, mm -hmm. sexual shame that is, mm -hmm. is tied in. And if, you know, if anyone's listening and they're like, what's wrong with trying to find the G spot? Like, wouldn't that be better? The thing is, th there's nothing wrong with trying to find it, I suppose, mm -hmm. but being told that you 
something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. If you can't, mm-hmm. yeah, it's highly problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And you people come the way they come. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People have different ways of having orgasms. No one way is better than the others. The way that feels good for you is the way that is probably the way you come. Like there's no need to try to come in a different way if you're totally content with the way you come now. And like, I think that I'm even guilty of that. I know a lot of my friends when I was asking around, like how many kinds of questions do you want to ask? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of them were like, where is it? Do you do mm. the come here? Yeah. Is it spongy? I heard it's slick and smooth. Like, and then I'm like, but, but like all the stuff I'm reading says that's not true. So like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think even in my own life, mm. I know in my own life, I've had partners where we're like, let's find it. Mm. And, and then I'm like, I don't even know if it worked. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I would say for most people, the anterior wall of the vagina is sensitive if you hit it in the right place and like if the person's aroused, if the hand or penis or dildo or whatever is hitting it at the right spot um, yeah. in the right zone, I guess. I don't, I'm trying not to use the word spot. I know, much, right? But, You're like, <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely for most people that there is a sensitive part of the body there. However, yeah. for some people it's like, uncomfortable and it does not feel good Um, and for some people it kind of doesn't feel like much and then for some people it's jackpot it feels amazing Uh, and it can vary depending on person and also depending on how aroused you are in that moment yeah I was gonna say like it can depend on who yeah like how how horny you are in that given day and you're like okay so I was able to do it that day just not in the mood the next this like goal oriented sex that we've all been really conditioned to, to believe in. Like it's got to end with this like bang. It, you can just enjoy the experience. That's like mm-hmm. totally possible. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's all part of it. I wanted to, I wanted to say though, some people can squirt though. And mm-hmm. this is true. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about that because you say in your podcast, You say, oh my God, I wrote your quote somewhere, but basically, (laughs) oh my God, for the love of God, it is not pee. Stop saying it's pee. So like, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about that. Something something in and around that, because I thought it was pee for a while, but this is when Mm. I was younger. Yes. So there has been a pretty reasonable amount of research on this uh, and still no clear agreement, Um, but yes. So... But um, (laughs) virtually everyone who ejaculates when they pee, or sorry, (laughs) ejaculates when they have an orgasm says it's not pee. It's like a different fluid. It's a different um, color. It's a different scent. Um, And it seems now that there's potentially two different fluids. So there's um, potentially like a smaller amount of fluid that's more similar to um, a male ejaculate. So it's thicker, it's cloudier, it's okay. slipperier. Um, and then there seems to be another fluid that comes in larger volume that likely comes from the bladder. Right. Um, but it doesn't seem to be urine. And so the tricky thing with this is some people have done studies um, and they find, okay, ejaculate, female ejaculate has um, prostate specific antigen in it, which means it's the skein's glands, which are kind of like the female prostate. Okay. Um, And then 
and they focus on that and they're like, oh, and it also has urea, which is in urine, um, but it's just trace amounts. So it's not urine. Um, and then other people will do it and say, no, it, like there's all this urea. It's definitely urine. <laughs> um, and and so in the research world, I don't think they've come down on a concrete answer to what it is. Uh-huh. But my argument and the reason I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's not pee is because yeah. <laughs> people who have who squirt are saying it is not pee. This is my body. I know the difference. And I feel like it's one of those things again, where people are not taking women's experiences seriously. Um, And so even if it has urea in it, or even if it comes from the bladder, it's clearly something um, that is different than urine. When they say it's not pee, I'm telling you it's pee. It's not my body. (laughs) Is that because it's the sensation when it comes out is completely different? Like, not necessarily, but I think just in terms of observing it. So mm. it's way clearer than urine. Um, and people say it smells or t- and tastes different than urine. Um, mm-hmm. And even actually in the early study, the, like the first study where they reported on G-spot ejaculation that um, I think it was uh, Beverly Whipple is one of the big ones who mm-hmm. coined the term the G-spot. Um, but that early study, they actually talk about, they compared <laughs> the taste fluid uh, wow. and like did a chemical analysis. And they said like, that was like the first study on it. And they said they're different urine and ejaculate are different things. Um, but I thought it was interesting that in that research study, they said the taste was different. So I was like, yeah. who is tasting this in a research lab? Yeah, I was actually going to say like, maybe somebody should just drink it or maybe somebody should just like something or get a dog to smile. I don't know something. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like this is solvable. I was going to say, I'm actually going to tie it into Beducated for a second because they mm. they have classes on sporting and they have classes mm. on, on G-spot stuff. And I was watching, like, I, I you know, I want to make sure like, mm. you know, what are they saying? And th- they're very much aligned in that, like, mm. not everybody can do this and mm. don't be harming yourself if you can't. And if you have curiosity, give this a shot. But like, there's no wrong way to come. And mm-hmm. then also, at, like, there's a there's a class on Vegucate. I, I think it's the I think it's actually squirting one because there's just mm-hmm. stuff or whatever. We're like, it's like it's a it's like a science experiment. You know, she's <laughs> like, this is this is urine. This uh-huh. is squirt. Like, these are the differences. And like, you think it's going to be. You know, it just so often happens where I guess maybe with you, I don't know, maybe with female sexuality, I'm not sure. Like, you think you're going to watch some sexy, horny thing. It's like, no, I'm like taking notes. Like, oh my God. You know, they yeah. have a doctor on with like a beaker going, okay. <laughs> because there's, we just don't know a lot of it. And the research is like, I don't know, hasn't been led by women historically. Mm-hmm. There's like patriarchal undertones. That you can't ignore that, you know. Oh my God. So hard not to be political. Yes. I I find it so interesting when people try to say like research or science shouldn't have politics in it. I'm like, we live in a world, like we all are humans in the world and we see the world through different lenses. And that's of course going to make it into our research and into our science and what we're perceiving and what we're seeing. And as long as we're acknowledging that, and then other people can, if they disagree, can do research that counters that from like a different lens um and try to get somehow get to the truth or the understanding like just saying that um i did a video on tiktok like not long ago and even with my own friends and stuff just saying 
we learned so much about sex positivity in this course and it would shock you how much scholarship is poured into it and how much research and all of this stuff. And if you were like, you go to school for that, like sex positive means like sex is fun. And then the more you talk about it, the more you realize you yourself, your friends and family who you think are anyways, in my inner circle, I think are liberal, open-minded, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. they, they don't really think that way. You know, mm-hmm. they really do see sex. The foundation of sex is reproduction. When you switch it and go, well, mm-hmm. maybe people are having sex for, for pleasure and for intimacy. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. I'm like, so then is it penis vagina or is it penis clitoris? And they're like, oh, you know, it's like, a, <laughs> but that's not right. You know, well, but that's not how the babies are made. It's like, well, which one is it? Is sex for fun or <laughs> sex for babies? Anyways, I digress. Like, and you realize that that the, the basis of sex being built and, and sold, I think, to us on sex is about reproduction is infused with politics and power. It is infused mm-hmm. with it. it's it's the more you deep dive, if you have this curiosity about it, the more you could be like, this is this is just dudes talking about where their where their dicks can go. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you can't help but be like, this G spot thing, damn, they did it again. You know? Like <laughs> And that's not to say that if you have G-spot orgasms or feel good that way, that you should, you know, somehow be like, oh, I'm bowing to the patriarchy. No, but like, definitely not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, it's just that um, the clitoris and pleasure and the G-spot is kind of filled with this, with this politics and power and patriarchy. And at the end of, at the end of all of it, it's like women for a while there and still, you know, you were saying it yourself are still being told that they're having sex wrong, that they're having <laughs> orgasms wrong. And with that comes a ton of sexual shame mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and inadequacy for themselves. And I would assume it hurts their partners too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, there's so much put yeah, into this idea that for heterosexual sex, it's penis and vagina. And if everybody's not having glorious orgasms from sticking penises in vaginas, then something is wrong. Yeah. Um, and so the penis is inadequate. The yeah. <laughs> vagina haver is frigid. Like that was another glorious thing we got from Freud that if you couldn't <laughs> have an orgasm from penis and vagina sex, that meant you were frigid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it causes a lot of harm. I think this idea that orgasms are supposed to happen a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. And it puts a lot of pressure on uh, penises to be hard all the time. And then you get into things like Viagra and people taking Viagra, even though they don't need it. But there's like this fear that I'm not going to be rock hard all the time. So I better take this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. Just like, ah, like our narrative, like women, vulva, like it, like it needs to be there part of the conversation like we need a balance like i'm not anytime i talk about sex and power and patriarchy oh the hashtag not all men brigade come after me i'm not attacking all of you i'm saying this whole system is built it's like a it's just shoddy workmanship like it's gonna (laughs) collapse (laughs) oh my goodness um oh my gosh you know what i want to ask you a couple more things but we're so good on time um, I wanted to say it's just more like some myth busting kind of stuff. Like, sure. like, but it, I think you already kind of answered it. Like if you do the come here thing, mm-hmm. like if, you know, put, you know, put your fingers in your vagina and then do come mm-hmm. here and it's the, it's the anterior wall, right? Yeah. Your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for people that have G spots, mm-hmm. like I missed the whole point of this thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, like, could or would you actually physically be able to feel any difference in texture? Because that is such a big question. Like, mm-hmm. I think I know what you're going to say. Could you feel some texture differences? Um, I'm going to say that uh, bodies are different, but yes. Um, And it's not necessarily like the actual anterior wall of the vagina. It's what is behind that wall. Okay. Um, And if people want to play around like this, they wouldn't be able to feel it because they're not using their hands. But I really encourage G-spot toys Mm -hmm. that are designed to to kind of hook around and and stimulate the anterior wall of the vagina just to get a sense of what feels good. Um, But it works best if you're already aroused. So maybe stimulate the external clitoris, um, get aroused, watch some erotica, um, and then start playing around once you're already engorged yeah <laughs> That's my favorite word I just love saying engorged it's so like un, I don't know is it unsexy do you find it sexy it's like a funny <laughs> word to me <laughs> yeah it's definitely not the sexy word for me I just like saying it because it, it kind of makes me giggle I think at the end of all of this like because we learned about it in my program too and then listening mm-hmm. to your podcast and having all these Oprah aha moments where I was like <laughs> oh my god that's me and at the end of all of it I, I think the message is clear that you know, f- for some people, stimulation in and around that area feels nice. And mm-hmm. for some, not. Mm-hmm. And can yeah. we leave it there, I guess? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that, um, you mentioned it in your podcast, and we actually, I stumbled upon this in, in my research uh, prior to listening to your podcast, was the Cosmopolitan Apology right. Retraction thing. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And if you think sure. it's the right way to go? Yeah, so Cosmo, which, you know, since I was a teenager, I think, has probably even before that has been putting out article after article about the G-spot and like find the G-spot and, you know, uh, how to help him find the G-spot, all those kinds of things. Uh, And they actually published in 2020 a retraction on the website that goes through all this information of kind of what we know about the clitoral urethral vaginal complex Um, and that there isn't a spot and that they felt that they were contributing to this sense of insecurity. And I think to the like creation of things like the G shot, um, by promoting the G spot as this big, important thing. Um, yeah. And so they published a thing saying that they won't talk about the G spot anymore, that they will, um, yeah, and that they apologized for causing what they felt was harm potentially, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Um, and in terms of whether it was the right thing to do, or I, I don't know, I think it makes sense to say, hey, look, like we have the more medically accurate information. We know that there's not a spot, that it's like the clitoris and other spongy tissues. And um, I think it's good that they corrected the record. Um, yeah. I, I'm always curious of the motivations of these kinds of things, but yeah, that's yeah. Good point. what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I like, they say in the article that, that there was pushback from a lot of people saying, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause they basically, the headline is the G spot does not exist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's jarring. You're like, Oh, and that's <laughs> not what I have been taught. I've been taught right. to try to find that friggin' thing my whole life, <laughs> especially by you. So, like, yeah. I mean, you, Cosmo. So, yeah, yeah. And then they say, you know, 
it's like, I think it's like, you have to be careful navigating it. Cause even talking about that article, talking about this podcast and what I learned about the G spot with my own friends, when I say like, Oh, you know, like it was discovered, like discovered and there's, you know, all this controversy, people tend to get quite like offended by it. They're like, but that feels good for me. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, so like, don't you think that women should just enjoy sex the way that they want to? It's like, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I just don't want to be sold on something that's not accurate or correct. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I I guess at the end of all of it, I commend them for doing it. You're right. I don't know what the motivation Mm -hmm. is. Let's say that, say it's genuine. (laughs) We, we screwed up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. because I think they kind of did at the end of the day I think it mm-hmm. was a screw up because they do say kind of by the end of it that we're not going to print anything about it anymore until the medical community's mostly aligned mm-hmm. on the messaging and like mm-hmm. when the hell is that going to happen <laughs> I think yeah. it's like they've all but said we're not going to talk about it anymore <laughs> like, yeah and I think they'll still talk about because we like stimulating the anterior wall of the vagina yeah. totally is awesome for many people. And so I think just, yeah, getting away from the obsession of finding a spot mm-hmm. um, is what's really important. So if you wanted to leave any like like everybody with just a final thought about it, about the G spot, I'm, I'm saying G spot, even though I shouldn't, <laughs> like clitoral, yeah. urethra, valve mm-hmm. complex or, or mm-hmm. whatever. If you wanted to leave everybody with a final thought about it, what mm-hmm. would you say? Like, boom. I think it the what I would say is to get to know your body and what works for you and what you like and don't worry about comparing it to some idea of what you're supposed to like or how you're supposed to have orgasms uh, because we're all different and we all have orgasms in different ways and that is totally okay. If you're feeling good, you're doing something right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it shouldn't be controversial, but it ends up mm-hmm. being kind of that way. They're like, mm-hmm. this is how I feel good. So why don't you shut up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And oh, there's... Is... Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to also add that there's so many glorious nerve endings in the whole genital region mm-hmm. um, and also all over your body. And so, yes, experimenting um, with what feels good. Like some people like clitoral stimulation, external clitoral stimulation. Some people like interior stimulation. Some people like um, like the vestibule. So not the clitoris and not inside the vagina, but they get off on rubbing the the tissue, like in particular the labia minora. Like, so there's yeah, just yeah. so many bits and pieces of your, that area of your body that can feel good um, and that they all work together in glorious yeah. harmony to produce orgasms. <laughs> just have at it. Like- mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that would be the dream, shame-free. Just just give it a look <laughs> and see, right? Um, I wanted to, uh, I just want to ask everyone because, um, well, you're, you're a sex nerd, I would call you, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm a sex nerd. I, you know, you find these sex nerds every so often in your life. I think that you're like, uh-huh. oh, you're, you're weird too. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> just that this really like innate curiosity about mm-hmm. sex. And I want to ask you a couple things, just like, just on a personal level like were you always a sex nerd did you think you were a little bit different than everyone else growing up because I did yeah I would say I was a sex nerd um in I don't know if it was across Canada but in Vancouver there was a radio show called sex lies and audio tape and I would stay up late uh listening to it when I was 
like 13, 14, 15. So it played from 11 till 12. And I always wanted to know stuff. And um, when I was like 12 or 13, I actually went and checked a Freud book out of the library because I was like, this, I need to learn about sex. Yeah, <laughs> I did yeah. not understand it at all. Like clearly Freud was not the right choice. Um, <laughs> but I definitely fancied myself as being like the sex guru in my friend group as a teenager. Um, so yeah, I absolutely think I was a sex nerd growing up. <laughs> I think that um, we all have that in common. Like I've had other sex nerds mm-hmm. on and then I've had other people who are like, oh, I'm not like that. But the sex nerds, I think, have this in common. It's like this insatiable curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to know. Yeah. And like, with a sprinkle of like, I, I don't want to embarrass easily. Like, right, right. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I have no problem talking about this. So funny that you mentioned that radio show. Do you remember um, Sue Johansson? Oh, yes. <laughs> that yeah. was like my like kind of come to Jesus moment where like yes. <laughs> she had the Sunday night sex show mm-hmm. on the radio and none of my friends were allowed to listen to it because <laughs> I wasn't really censored in my house. So my mm. mom, I don't even know if my mom knew what it was, but every Sunday I'd read it or read it. Sorry, I would listen to it. And then Monday I would report. I would report mm-hmm. back to my friends and be like, I could tell you everything about yes. those two guys that licked each other's buttholes. Like, what do you want to know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> They'd be like, oh my God, people do that. Oh my God. But anyways, but where this kind of ties in is that um, a big part of my education, which it like disclaimer, it's not really education, uh, <laughs> came from movies. Like I was raised mm. on movies. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that's like, I, that's where I learned about everything. I, I classify it as my main source and it caused like some confusion that's for sure but anyways but I ask everyone because I want to know because I love movies so much is do you have a favorite movie sex scene what is it and like why (laughs) wow that's a big question I'm gonna give two answers one because we were talking about like being kids uh, or being younger and then one more big anyway okay um, but I would say dirty dancing oh yeah Um, I saw it when I was quite young, like definitely too young to have seen it. Um, And we watched it with my babysitter while my parents were at work. And then my, because we had rented the VHS tape, my parents watched it again that night and I watched it with them. And I just, I was obsessed with the sex scenes in that show. And I think I was 10, Um, (laughs) but that still sticks out in my mind. Like it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And like the sex in it was kind of, probably the first sex scenes I really saw in a movie. And so that is what came to mind for me at first. Um, And I don't know if I have like a favorite sex scene now, but I always pay attention to, are they stimulating the clitoris (laughs) in sex scenes? And when they're not, it makes me so mad. So I'm always looking for like cunnilingus or like Mm. a hand stimulating the clitoris or something, Um, anything like that, that I'm like, yes, this passes my sex on movies test oh good for you you know what it's so funny you said that because not necessarily movies or even tv shows i've got i've had people talk about music videos where they're like mm. i saw this for the first time mm. and was like oh my gosh i i think i'm gay now like like <laughs> yeah. these big moments but uh the the clitoris stuff and the cunnilingus stuff um it's not even a sexy show it's called the good wife oh and yeah i never actually really watched it i happen to be walking by as my mom was watching it, <laughs> and the husband, I think it's Chris Noth, Chris Noth, mm, yeah. Juliana Margulies, yeah. and she's sitting on the bathroom sink, and he like goes down on her, and I like uh-huh. double took, like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that 
on television right. and then somebody's gonna yell at me in the comments for sure i'm pretty sure that's the first time on primetime television it was shown hmm, like interesting because it really made me stop like dead in my tracks right. and I, enough that i was telling friends about it like he totally went down on her and i don't think i've ever seen that we need more of this you know <laughs> yes I'm so, I'm just so appreciative that you made the time for this. Like you're, I know you're very busy and you're so brilliant and your podcast is amazing. And I'm a huge fan and to everyone listening, please follow. Do we know things? It's, it's available everywhere where you can get podcasts, right? Yep. Okay. Perfect. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It was really fun to be on and to chat with you. Oh my gosh. Let's keep in touch. I have so many questions mm. for you. <laughs> this could be a 12 part series. But anyways. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye everyone. Thanks.